0: Amen. All right, we are there in Psalm 73. And do me a favor, keep your place there and go with me just real quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 in the New Testament. Keep your place in Psalm 73. We're going to come right back to it. but I want you to notice a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And while you turn there, I'm going to read for you out of Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 says this, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be, content and this morning we're beginning a series entitled enemies of contentment and we're talking about those things that attack contentment or kill contentment in uh, your life and in my life and i want to begin by just talking about this word content or contentment the word content means to be satisfied not in desire of anything when you are content you do not want anything you do not desire anything remember the psalm says the lord is my shepherd i shall not Want. That's the state of being content. Paul tells us, and I'm, you're, you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, but Paul says in Philippians, he says, not that I speak in respect of want. He said, he's talking to the church at Philippi, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not telling you of the things that are going on in my ministry and my needs because I want something. He says, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am. He said, when things are going well and when they're not going well. He said, when things are, are, are when I feel like I'm under God's blessing or I feel like I'm under trials. He says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. See, God's will for your life and for my life is to live a life of contentment. Now, God's will, we're not preaching a prosperity gospel this morning. God's will is not that He's going to make you healthy and wealthy and and you're never going to have any trials. But even through the trials and even through the tribulations, you and I can learn to be content. We can be satisfied. We can be without want. We can be happy and that's what the word content if you speak spanish you know the the spanish word for happy is contento comes from the same root word that we get the word content here and over the next several weeks we're going to be talking about this idea of not just how to be content but the things that kill contentment and this morning we're going to begin with this thought that comparing kills contentment are you there in second corinthians chapter 10 Uh, When you get to 2 Corinthians 10, do me a favor, uh, put a bulletin or a ribbon or a bookmark there in 2 Corinthians because we're going to leave it and we're going to be coming back to 2 Corinthians. But I'd like you to notice chapter 10 and verse number 12, notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, I want you to notice what he says. He says, are not wise. See, the Bible teaches that comparing and measuring among ourselves is not a wise thing to do. Now, I want you to understand something. What the Bible is not teaching here, it's not saying that noticing or acknowledging differences is a bad thing. In fact, I think that God wants us to notice things and compare things in the sense of noticing differences. Let me give you an illustration. As parents, we sometimes notice differences in our children. If you have two or three children, you might have noticed that your children are probably very different one from the other. And it's a good thing to Notice those differences because, you know, the way we deal with some of my sons as opposed to some of my daughters may be different in the sense that they are different people. And I know that they've got different strengths and different weaknesses. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that or noticing that or even using that to try to be a good parent. But what the Bible is saying here, and I want you to notice verse 12 again, notice the last part of the 12. He says, measuring themselves by themselves. And comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. What the Bible says is wrong in regards to comparing is when we are comparing in order to measure. When you are comparing yourself to somebody else in order to see, you know, how well you're doing or how well maybe they're not doing. When we're using comparing to measure ourselves among ourselves, God says, hey, that's not a wise thing to do. And this morning, I want to help you with this idea that if you're struggling with contentment, if you're sad, if you're depressed, if you're upset, if you're not happy with how things are going in your life, it may be that you have a problem with comparing. And I want to just give you, I'm just going to spend the sermon this morning just giving you different applications and different areas that we as humans are likely to compare with and uh, try to help you to understand that it's not a wise thing to compare in those areas. Now, keep your place there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to leave there and come back to it. But go with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 73 is where we started, is where we uh, read our text this morning. Psalm 73. I'd like you to look at verse number 1. Psalm 73 and verse number 1. Psalm 73 and verse number 1. This is a psalm not written by David, but by a man by the name of Asaph. Asaph was one of the uh, uh, men who led the music in the temple during, in the Old Testament times. And he, the Bible says, a psalm of Asaph. Notice what Asaph says. He says, truly, God is good to Israel, even to such, are, such as are of a clean heart. He says, but as for me, he says, truly, God is good to Israel. And, and, and I want you to notice something. Whenever we begin to compare, we will always say, oh yeah, God is good, but my situation's different. Oh yeah, God is good, but, but for me. Because notice what he says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such are as of a clean heart. Notice verse 2, but as for me. He's like, God, God's good to other people. He's like, God is good to the nation of Israel. God is good to those that have a clean heart. But he says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He said, I, I almost uh, uh, quit on God. He said, I almost got backslidden. He said, I, my feet were almost gone. He said, I, I had well nigh slipped. Look at verse 3. He, he said, you said, why? Why did he get backslidden? Why did he almost quit? Why did he almost uh, quit on God? Notice verse 3. For I was envious at the foolish. He said, I I started looking at the foolish. He said, I started comparing with the foolish. He said, and I became envious. He said, for I was envious at the foolish. He says, when I saw, here's what he's saying. When I began to compare, notice, the prosperity of the wicked. He says, for there are no bands in their death. He said, I started looking at the wicked. He said, I started looking at the wicked nations. And I started looking at the way that they died. And he said, they don't get captured. They don't get arrested. They're not in bands when they die. They're not in captivity when they die. He said, like the children of Israel have been. Notice what he says. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. Notice verse 5. They are not in trouble. Notice the comparisons as other men. And here's what he's saying. They're not in trouble like I am. He said, they're not in trouble as other men, comparing himself with the wicked. He says, neither are are they plagued like other men, comparing himself and really comparing them to others, but really he's comparing them to himself. For sake of time, we could preach a whole sermon out of this psalm, but skip down to verse number 12. Notice what he says. He says, behold, these these are the ungodly, notice, who prosper in the world. They increase in Riches. Notice verse 13 for he says, verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. He says for all the day long have I been played. He says, I've washed my hands. He said, I've tried to live a righteous life. He said, I've I've washed my hands, and I've cleansed my heart. He said, I've tried to follow the Bible. I've tried to follow the Word of God. I've tried to follow what God says. I've I've tried to do everything right. And he says, notice in verse 14, he says, for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. He says, I'm trying to do right, and I keep having problems, and I keep having troubles, and I keep getting plagued, and I keep having issues. And when I look over on the other side of the fence, I see the wicked who don't care about God. I see the wicked who don't care about church. I see the wicked who don't care about doing right or living right and they seem to prosper and they seem to do well. And he says, Maybe I've done it in vain. Maybe I've been wasting my time. Maybe this is something I shouldn't have been doing. And I want you to notice and here's my first point this morning is don't compare yourself with the prosperity of the wicked. You're there in Psalm 73. Turn one book over to Proverbs 23 and look at verse number 17. Proverbs 23 and verse number 17. Proverbs 23 and verse number 17. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 23 and verse number 17. The Bible says this Let not thine heart envy sinners. Let not thine heart envy sinners. But be thou in the fear of the Lord. All the day long. See, he says, hey, don't compare yourself. With the wicked and the sinners, you say, "Well, why is that?" Well, go go back to Psalm seventy-three. You're the, you're, we just turned to Proverbs. Just go back to Psalm seventy-three. Notice what he says. And like I said, we could go through the whole uh, chapter here, but we won't take the time to do it. But I want you to notice verse number seventeen, Psalm seventy-three, and verse seventeen. Notice what he says. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I then I then understood I their end. And listen to me; it's good. So from time to time, because we get out in the world and we start looking at the world and we start looking at things that they're doing. It's good from time to time to come back into the house of God and get under the preaching of the word of God and allow God to spiritually kind of recalibrate us and, re, uh, and show us, the, the the life of these people in their context so notice what he says at the end of verse 17 he says then I uh, then understood I therein notice verse 18 surely thou did set them in slippery places thou castest them down into destruction how are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors and here's what he's saying he's saying yeah they might have nice houses and they might have nice cars and they might not have any problems and they might not have any issues he said but you know what these wicked people are going to die and burn in hell for all of eternity he says i know their end and he said i'd rather i'd rather live for god and do right and maybe i will go through trial maybe i will go through tribulation maybe i will be plagued and will be persecuted but he says i know their end but he said i had to look at that in its context and realize that in this world we suffer tribulations but you know what this world is not my home And my reward is not on this earth. And my reward, I don't live for the things of this earth. But look, sometimes we kill contentment in our own lives because we compare ourselves to the wicked. And you know what? The Bible says, let not thine heart envy sinners. Let me give you another example. Go go to the book of John in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. John chapter number 12. And look at verse number 42. The first thing I said this morning is don't compare yourself with the prospering or the prosperity of the wicked. But let me say this. Don't compare yourself with the prosperity of compromising Christians. You say, I understand not to compare myself with the wicked sinners of this world. But listen, you know what? As Christians, you know what you should also not be comparing yourself is with the Christians who are compromising and prospering in this world. Are there in John 12? Look at verse 42. Notice what the Bible says. John 12 and verse 42, notice what the Bible says. It says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers. These were the politicians. These were the guys in charge. You can write right next to that phrase, the chief rulers, you can write these words. Good job. These guys had money. These guys were socially accepted. Notice what it says. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. Talking about the fact that they believed on Christ. And listen to me. If you believe on Jesus Christ, you are saved. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. These guys were saved. It's not that they weren't unbelievers, they they believed on Him. Notice, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on Him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him. Talking about a public confession, going out and telling people, yeah, I'm with Christ, yeah, I stand with what He believes, yeah, I stand with what He teaches. Notice, they did not confess Him. Why? Notice, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. See, the synagogue was the center of their social lives. The synagogue is where everybody met and where they developed friendships and where they went. You know, the, the synagogue was a very important thing in their culture. And even though they stood with Christ, even though they believed on Christ, they were not willing to say it out loud, openly. Why? Because they did not want to be ostracized. They did not want to become outcasts. They did not want to be thrown out of the synagogue. They didn't want to be talked bad about on Facebook and social media and here you have these Christians who they believed they were saved but they compromised and they were not willing to say here's where I stand and here's what I believe in because of what might have happened to them socially or with their jobs or in society go with me to the book of Hebrews and towards if you start in the book of Revelation at the, at the end of the Old Test, of the New Testament, you go backwards. You're going to go past Jude, past 1st, first, 2nd, uh, first, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd, Peter, James, and then the book of Hebrews, all right? Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. You got Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd, Peter, James, Hebrews. While you turn there, let me read for you from 2nd Corinthians 1, eight. Here's what Paul said. He said, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. I want you to understand something. It's totally normal in the Christian life to feel like you are in despair, to feel like you are in trouble, to feel like you're pressed out of measure, to feel like you're above strength. The Apostle Paul felt that way. Jesus felt that way. Many Christians through society have felt that way because, look, when you stand with Christ, you will not stand with society. But today, there are some Christians who say, well, I refuse to take a public stand. Here's why. Because I don't want to be cast out of the synagogue. Because I don't want to lose my nice job. Because I don't want to have my friends forsake me. Are you there in Hebrews 13? Look at verse number 13. Notice what the Bible says. Hebrews 13 and verse 13. Notice what it says. Let us. Now, right there, when you see that word us, you you can write your name there. You could write Verity Baptist Church there. You You can write your family's name. Notice what he says. He says, let us. Notice, let us go forth, therefore, unto him. Who's the him there? That's Jesus. He says, let us go forth, therefore, unto him, don't miss this, without the camp. You see that? And you say, well, what does that mean? The reference there is to the fact that, you know what? You know who was thrown out of the synagogue? Jesus was. You know who was actually thrown out of town? Jesus was. You know that, that when they actually crucified him, they took him without the camp. They took him outside the city limits. They took him up to Golgotha, and they crucified him there because they did not like him, because they did not respect him, because they did not approve of his ministry or what he said. But notice, then the, the writer of Hebrews, he says, hey, let us, let us go forth, therefore unto him without the, uh, without the camp, don't miss this, bearing his reproach. See word reproach? You know what the word reproach means? The expression of disapproval. The expression of disappointment. See, today people will they'll contact me and they'll say, I dis- I'm a Bible believing Christian and I disapprove with you preaching against the Holy Ghost. I disapprove with what you say. I disapprove. But listen, you know who else they disapproved of? Jesus Christ. You know who else? You are a reproach to Christianity. You know who else was a reproach to Christianity? Jesus Christ. And the Bible actually says that we are to go. He says, let us go, there, uh, go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. But today, listen to me, today when you do that, when you're outcast, when you're thrown out, when they hate you and they persecute you, you may begin to look at those rulers, the chief rulers, and begin to compare and begin to lose some contentment. I'll be honest with you this morning. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I confess our faults one to another? Sometimes I drive down this street here and I look at these nice buildings that these churches own and I start getting a little upset. I, start think, I, I get these emails from these independent formal Baptists inviting me to their stupid conference, showing me their pictures of their nice buildings and their nice property. And part of me starts getting mad. You know, you might not have that nice building if you actually stood up and preached what the Bible says. You might not have that huge gathering if you actually got up and didn't just ignore entire sections of Scripture. You you know, sometimes you look at people and you look at the nice house they live in or the nice cars they drive, and your car won't start or your doors won't close or your house is falling apart, and you start looking at them and start thinking, man, maybe I should have kept my mouth shut. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Maybe I should have just been a Secret Service Christian and kept my nice job and kept my nice reputation and grown a nice ministry and had a nice makeup of But listen to me, we will kill contentment when we begin to compare. Yes with the wicked and evil world But also with compromising Christians Don't compare yourself to them Because you know what We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ And we will all be judged for the things Which were done in our bodies Whether they were good or bad And they will stand before God And they will answer for the stands They chose to or not to take You know what I'd much rather be rewarded by God in heaven Than have the applause of men on earth That's fleeting That's temporal So don't compare yourself with the prosperity of the wicked. But you know what? Also, don't compare yourself with the prosperity of compromising Christians because those chief rulers kept their followings, kept their jobs, kept their houses. But you know what? They weren't like Peter. We don't even know those people's names, but you know who we we do know? We know Peter and John and James and Paul and the men who chose to go out without the camp and to bear his reproach with So don't compare yourself with the prosperity of the wicked. And don't compare yourself with the prosperity of compromising Christians. But let me give you another one. Go go to Matthew chapter number 18. Should be fairly easy to find. First book in the New Testament. Don't compare yourself with other Christians in general. I'm not talking about just, you know, compromising Christians. I'm just talking about even good Christians. Don't compare yourself. Are you there in Matthew 18? Look at verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Here you got the disciples, they're, they're comparing themselves. And they're saying, Who, Who's the greatest? You know, who's better? Who, who's the best one? And listen, you know what? We ought not be comparing ourselves among ourselves or measuring ourselves by ourselves. Don't be comparing yourself with other Christians in general. And there's two ways that this goes. You're there in Matthew 18. Flip a few pages over to Matthew 25. Let me say this, don't compare yourself to Christians who are further ahead of you spiritually. It's really easy for Christians to look at someone who's a little further down the road and, and, be, and begin to compare themselves and allow that to kill contentment in their life and actually allow, them, uh, allow it to kill them going forward. Because they look at someone who's maybe doing a great job, getting a lot of people saved, maybe preaching great sermon, maybe building a great ministry, doing whatever, uh, leading a good home, and and things are going well for them, and you look at that and you say, well, I'm never going to attain to that, I'm never going to reach that, I'm never going to be there, you know, maybe I should just quit altogether. Listen, comparing yourself to other Christians is foolish, it's unwise. It kills contentment. You say, why is that? Are you there in Matthew 25? Look at verse 14. Notice what Jesus said. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Notice verse 15. And unto the one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. Straightway took took his journey. And we won't go through the whole parable. But listen, the Bible is teaching us here that God doesn't give the same amount of talents to everybody. Some people are five-talent people. And some people are two-talent people. And some people are one-talent people. But you know what? When he came back, he didn't expect the guy with one talent to do what the guy with five talents did. He didn't expect the guy with two talents to do what the guy with five talents did. He just expected to do, he expected the guy with two talents to do the best he could with the two talents he had. And he expected the guy with one talent to do the best he could with the one talent he had. And if you happen to be a five talent person and you just got it all put together and you got everything going for you, then guess what? To whom much is given, much shall be required. And he expects from you to accomplish that which a five talent individual can do. But you know what? It's very foolish. It's very foolish. For someone to spend, look, you may be a a two-talent guy. Look, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I'm a five, I'm not being humble here, I'm just telling you, I know me, I'm not a five-talent guy. I may be a one-talent guy, I'm okay with that. And now, don't use that as a two, here's what people do, you preach these type of sermons, and then they're like, well, I'm a one-talent guy, so I'm just going to not do anything. (laughs) Look, all I'm saying is this, if you're a one-talent person, if you're a two-talent person, it'd be very foolish for you to be spend the rest of your life comparing yourself to the five talent guy, beating yourself up as to why. Why can't I preach that well? Why can't I reach that mate? Why can't I do? Why can't I succeed at work like that guy? Why can't I get things done? Hey, listen, maybe you're just a two talent guy. Do what God has given you with what he's given you. Don't waste your life comparing yourself to other Christians and maybe sometimes people that are further down the road with you because you don't know what God has given them. And maybe they are a five-talent guy, but they're not doing the best that they could. And you're just looking at them and envying them and comparing yourself, and it's killing contentment in your life. You're there in Matthew. Go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 18. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let me say this. Don't compare yourself with other Christians in general. Don't compare yourself to a Christian who is further ahead spiritually. And you know what? Let me say this. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the Bible says that Jesus came to find and reach sinners. And sometimes people come to church, and you might come to church with a history. You might come to church with a past. There might be major sins in your life that were in the past that you dealt with, and you went through that, and you asked God to forgive you. Hey, don't be constantly just comparing yourself to something, well, they never did that. Look, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. He said, brethren, I count not myself to be apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, is that I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't spend your life saying, well, I did this in my life and I've got this in my life. Hey, forget about that and just move forward. Forget about that and just do what you can. Press toward the mark from this day on. Spend your whole life looking back, comparing yourself to what you did. Look, the past is in the past. That's why they call it the past. Just forget about it. Move on. Confess it to God and move on and do great things for God. Are you there in Luke 18? Don't compare yourself to Christians who are further ahead of you spiritually. But let me say this. Don't compare yourself to Christians who are behind you spiritually. Are you there in Luke 18? Now, let me say this. In Luke 18, we have two men, a Pharisee and a publican. And I don't think the Pharisee was saved. But he serves as an illustration of a religious, self-righteous person. Notice what he says. Luke 18 and verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Notice the comparison. He's looking at an actual man, at a publican, and he's saying, God, I'm so thankful that I'm not like other men. He said, I, I, I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Notice what he says in verse number uh, 13. And the publican, verse 13, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. But he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that is exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Listen to me. Don't fall into this trap where you're just constantly comparing yourself to other Christians. Whether they're ahead of you and you're just throwing a pity party for yourself, or whether they're behind you and you're just lifting yourself up with pride. Oftentimes people will come to church like this and they start getting things right with their, with, their, with their lives and they start getting, you know, ladies will start getting their dress under control and they start learning what the Bible teaches. But you know what I've noticed? It's funny. Women will come in here dressed, you know, inappropriate and we're graceful with them, and we're kind to them, and we deal with them for months, and, and we don't, you know, yell at them or scream at As it comes up, natural sermons, we may teach what the Bible teaches. They begin to learn. They begin to understand. They begin to change, sometimes slowly. and then, But then, you know what? They get to the place where they're dressing pretty modest. They're dressing pretty well. And then a new convert, a new lady walks in, dressed modestly, and all of a sudden, it's like, she needs to get her act together. It's been two weeks. I mean, good night. It's like, did we treat you that way? And you showed up dressed like a hoochie mama or whatever, you know? I mean, good night. But see, here's what happens is we get lifted up with pride. And I've got all my ducks in a row now, so now I'm, I'm going to look down at this publican, and I'm so thankful I'm not like this guy. Hey, listen. The Bible says, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And you and I ought to be careful to not start looking down at Christians and getting lifted up. Well, I get more. Look, we're not in competition with each other. We're not, we're not fighting against each other. If you're succeeding, I ought to be happy that you're succeeding. And if you're struggling, then I want to struggle with you, and I want to pray with you, and I want to be patient with you, and I want to love you, and I want to try to help you. But we ought not be comparing ourselves to each other because we're not, we're not in competition. Paul said, I therefore so run, not as uncertain, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He said, you know who I'm fighting against? I'm fighting against me. He said, I keep under my body. I'm not keeping under your body. I'm not making sure you do everything right. He said, I'm trying to fight me and make sure that my body does what it's supposed to do so that I don't end up a castaway. You know who we're racing against in this race? We're racing against ourselves. I'm not racing against you. You've got a race to run in your life, and I have a race to run in my life, and my race is different than your race. My race is to, as long as God will allow me to, to pastor Verity Baptist Church. But you know what? I'm not pastoring the church down the street, and I'm not pastoring the church in the other state. Yeah. And I'm glad of the church in the other state's doing well, and they're succeeding, and things are going great. But you know what? I can't spend my life comparing myself to that ministry. I've just got this ministry to deal with. This is the task that God has given me, and God has given you children, and God has given you ministries, and God has given you to do things to do. So it would be very foolish to compare yourself to other Christians. Can you make, get back to Hebrews 13? I'm not sure if I told you to keep your place there. I meant to tell you that, but we were just in Hebrews 13. Can you go back to Hebrews 13? Let me give you another example. I said, number one, don't compare yourself with the prosperity of the wicked. And I said, number two, don't compare yourself with the prosperity of compromising Christians. And number three, don't compare yourself with other Christians in general. Even if they're not compromising, even if they're doing everything right, it's foolish to compare yourself. But number four, don't compare yourself financially to your peers. You know, you're always trying to keep up with the neighbors, right? They got a new car, so you gotta go get a new car. You know, and they got this and they got that. Are you there in Hebrews 13? Look at verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. Let your conversation, the word conversation means your lifestyle. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Do you see that? Covetousness is desiring. It's a want. It's the opposite of contentment. Because content is to be without want. To be satisfied. Covetousness is to be not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm in want. I want something. Notice what he says. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We need to be very careful to not be comparing ourselves financially to our neighbors or to other people in church. You know, when people get a a new vehicle in church, praise the Lord for it. I'm always happy when I learn that people get a new car or maybe their car broke down or their car, whatever, and they got a new vehicle. But you you shouldn't have this idea like, oh, so-and-so got a new car and my car, you know, it's five years old. I better go get a new one. Hey, be careful about just constantly comparing yourself financially to other people. Because, look, you're always going to be trying to keep up with somebody. And it's going to develop covetousness in your life. It's going to develop a love for money. Just learn to be satisfied with the things that you have. You know, I, I could sit there and complain about all, you know, all the problems in my house and all the lack of money that we have. But, you know, you, sometimes you get sued and then you're just like, great, I got another for you to take. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You can, have, you can have it. There you go. I just gave it to you. That's all I got. <laughs> we ought to be careful to not be comparing ourselves financially. And you know, something I've, I've noticed with young couples, and I like to bring this up from time to time, something I've noticed with young couples is they'll often, they'll often compare themselves financially with their parents. And it causes a lot of problems in life. Because a young couple will get married, and they're like, I got to live in the same city as my parents live, or in the same neighborhood. I got to have the same type of car, or the same type of house, or the same whatever. Hey, listen to me. I'm 30 years old. I do not live in the same type of neighborhood as my parents live in right now. And I probably never will. You know, my parents worked hard. They, we, 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 they came here from Venezuela, poor. And they worked hard, and they live in a nice house in a nice neighborhood. And I praise the Lord for that. But Listen to me. You know, young people, you're starting out with life. Don't go into get, get into a bunch of debt because, well, I got to. It took your parents 30 or 40 years to get there. And you want to do it in two years? You want to do it in five years? Just don't live this life where you're constantly, well, I just got to gotta live here, and I got to go here, and I got to vacation here, and I got to do it. Hey, it's foolishness to be comparing yourself financially to other people. Just be satisfied with such things as you have. And if you work hard, and God gives you a good job, and you work hard, and God gives you a raise, or God gives you a bonus, or God helps you, hey, praise the Lord for it. But don't make your life about, I've got to just get better financially. Because you'll never stop. You'll always be in want. You'll never be satisfied. So don't compare yourself financially to other people, and especially young couples. Don't be comparing yourself to your parents. You know, it took them a long time to get there. Praise the Lord for it. It might take you a long time to get there. Number five, let's talk about this. Go, go to the book of Exodus in the, in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter number 20. And do me a favor, when you get there, put your, a ribbon or a bookmark there because we're going to come back to it. Let me say this. Don't compare your spouse to someone else's spouse. Don't compare the person you're married to, your husband, ladies, or your wife, gentlemen, to somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife. Are you there in Exodus 20? Look at verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. This is the Ten Commandments. Remember those? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not. Notice what what it says in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Do you see that? Nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Hey, look, listen, you ought to be really careful about comparing your wife to somebody else's wife or comparing your husband to somebody else's husband. Go go to the book of Genesis, real quick, Genesis chapter 2. You're there in Exodus, just flip to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. And listen to me, you want to be careful with that, especially like in, in church life. You might look at somebody else and you're like, man, they just got it all put together their husband is so nice, their husband is so this, their husband's so that. or that wife, she's so this, or she's so great. I wish my husband was like that, or I wish my wife like, look, the grass is always greener on the other side. And you've not woken up next to that individual. And, and, you know, appearances may be deceiving. And you may think like, oh, he's so great, I wish my husband was like that. You don't know how that guy's at home. You don't know how that guy's feet smell when he takes his shoes off. You don't know anything about that, because here's the thing. At church, guess what? We all put on our best behavior. You're, there's, you, you, you know, some of you are screaming and yelling at each other on the way to church. You're this and you're that, and I can't. Th- and as soon as you step out of the vehicle, hey brother, how you doing? God bless you. I'm holding hands, coming in. As soon as you get in that car, it's going to be round two. And look, it's it's just foolish to just be looking at an individuals and say like, well, they've got it all put together. Their lives are so great. You don't know that. And, you know, better is the devil you know than the one you don't. Know, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's just, be- it's just better for you to just not compare and not say any- and say, You know, I'm just thankful for the husband that God gave me. He may be smelly. He may be whatever. He doesn't pick up his clothes. But I'm thankful. for I'm thankful for the wife that God gave me. And don't just be sitting there and comparing and saying, well, I wish my wife this. I wish my wife. No. You be satisfied with the spouse that God has given you. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's husband. Are you there in Genesis 2? Let me give you another one for young couples. Something I've noticed young couples tend to do is they'll compare their new spouse to their parents. Well, my mom didn't cook like that. Well, my, my dad, he, he did this and that. Listen, are you there in Genesis 2, 24? Notice what the Bible says. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. And shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain, and they, and they shall be one flesh. This is what I, what pre- preachers often call the leave and cleave principle. When you got married, you are to leave mother and father, and you are to cleave. Look, it doesn't matter how your dad did it at home. It doesn't matter how your mom did it at home. You, you didn't marry mom. I hope you're thankful for that. You didn't marry dad. You married this individual that God gave you. You'd be satisfied with the one. And there are things that we can work through in marriage. And, of course, everyone grows as they, as they get married, and there, there's all of that. We understand that. But, listen, we ought to be very careful not be comparing our spouse to other people, comparing our husband to other people, saying, I wish my husband had a job like this guy. Hey, look, God gave you that husband. God gave you that wife. So he said, don't compare yourself with the prosperity of the wicked. Don't compare yourself with the prosperity of compromising Christians. Don't compare yourself with other Christians just in general. Don't compare yourself financially to your peers. Don't compare your spouse to someone else's spouse. Let me give you another one. You're there in Genesis. Go to Genesis 25. Look at verse 28. Genesis 25 and verse number 28. Let me give you number six. Don't compare your children. Don't compare your children. To other children. Genesis 25 and verse 28. Notice what the Bible says. And Isaac loved Esau. Because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. This is a really sad statement in scripture. You got two twin boys. Isaac and uh, Esau and Isaac. And you've got a dad who loves one. And a mom who loves the other one. And those parents who probably got to that place. So they started comparing the kids. Well, Isaac's more like me, and Esau's more like that, or Esau's more like me, and Isaac's more like that, and they started developing. And look, there's nothing wrong with seeing differences in your children, but don't compare your children to each other or to other children. You know, listen to me. Children are all different. And you know, my, my wife and I, we have four kids, and we have our fifth on the way. And something I know uh, we noticed, you know, we had our first son, Joshua. And you know, Joshua is just a typical firstborn. And what I mean by that is... Firstborns generally stick to mom a lot, you know, because they don't have anyone else. Mom is their best friend all day long, especially if mom stay home and don't put them in, in daycare. You know, there's no other siblings for them to play with. So mom becomes, uh, you know, their best friend. So they, they cling a lot to children. Some of you ladies, you, you would, you know, know that with your firstborn. You'd probably think, oh, yeah, you know, they were very clingy. Once you get another child in the mix, now they have another buddy so that they don't cling so much as you. But I'll tell you this. When my son Joel was born, Joel... Was our best baby we've ever had? I mean, Joel. I'm saying as a baby. He's not the best now. <laughs> he's, he's a boy now, but you know, he was. I mean, he was just the type of kid. You fed him, you changed his diaper. We literally just lay him on the uh, on his bassinet or lay him on, on the bed with some pills. and he'd just be. Ha- he wouldn't be sleeping. He'd just be happy, content, just playing, no problem. We had church. I remember when Joel was born, we had church. Down the street in the one of the buildings. I mean, my wife would have him. He's eight months old. She's sitting through the service. He's just happy. He's not even asleep. He's just sitting there quietly, just playing or whatever. You know, Elizabeth was different. But I'll tell you something. Then Lydia was born. And Lydia, now, now please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say to you, okay? I love Lydia with all my heart. She's a sweet girl. But Lydia is the worst baby we've ever had. She may be the worst baby that's ever been born. Now, I know you guys get fooled because you're like, well, she's so cute. Don't let that fool you. She is bad. I mean, she is busy. She is just stubborn. We love her to death, but she's no Joel. You know what I mean? And look, it would have been really easy for us, and we didn't do this, but it would have been really easy for us to sit there with our perfect little Joel and watch someone struggling with their two-year-old. They're like, well, that's just because they don't know what they're doing I mean, if they were as great as parents as we are, they'd have that kid under control. You know what? You may not have your Lydia yet. And it's just, all children are different. You just need to understand that. And it's, it's foolish to compare your children. You say you're comparing But here's the thing it's, it's, it's fine to just realize. Look, I realized with Joel, when he was a baby, I mean, he did something bad. We could just kind of like speak to him sternly, and he was like, it was, it was taken of care of. Lydia needs discipline. She does not need grace, periods. She just needs people to come down hard on her, okay? you, just come, you realize your children are different. You deal with that, but don't sit there and compare them. You love them all the same. And don't compare your children to other children or say, you know, man, so-and-so's child, they're so good, they're so great. You don't know that their child before that was a nightmare. I mean, you parents, you got, you know, several kids, you know that's true. You have some kids that were wonderful and some kids that were trying. And that's okay. All children are different. There's nothing wrong with that. But just be careful not to be comparing your children to each other or comparing your children to other people's children. It's foolish. Nothing good can come from that. Let me say this. Can you get back to Exodus 20? Let me talk to the kids real quick. Exodus chapter 20. Look at verse 12. Exodus 20. Back to the Ten Commandments. Remember that? Exodus 20 and verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Let me say this to you kids. I want all the kids, and when I say kids, I'm talking about children, teenagers, young adults. If you're living with your parents, listen to me very carefully. Don't compare your parents to other children's parents. Don't sit there and say, well, you know, my mom is so strict. I wish I had parents like this. Listen to me. You're going to grow up and you're going to be glad that your parents were strict, and loved the Lord, and dragged you to church, and made you do right. You know, those kids, you know, you say, well, I've got a cousin, or I've got a friend, or I know someone, and their parents don't have a curfew, their parents don't ask them where they're at, their parents let them do whatever they want. Hey, listen, those kids grow up and hate their parents. Those kids grow up and say, I wish I had a mom. You know, yeah, my mom just let me run the streets and do whatever I want, but my mom didn't love me. My dad didn't love me. Hey, kids, don't be comparing your Parents say, I wish my parents were like this. Or I, you know, so-and-so's parents, they get to go on those nice vacations. Why can't my dad afford? Don't go there. You know, just don't compare. Just be thankful. Be glad. You know what? My parents are doing well, you know, financially now. But when, when, I, when we were kids, when we were growing up, we were poor. I didn't know it. I know it now. You know, I, I remember when I first started dating my wife. She's like, oh, you know, when you're a kid, you know, in your room, blah, blah. Like when I was a kid, my, my brother and I slept on the couch in our living room for like the first twelve years of my life. We slept on the couch in the living room. We didn't have a room. Every night we'd bring out the the uh, we'd bring out the the sleeping bag and put it on the on the couch and we'd sleep there. And then we'd roll up the sleeping bag. That's it's just what we could afford at the time. I didn't. I thought everybody lived like that. You know, everybody all gets slept on the couch. I didn't have a room, and I have a room until I was like fifteen. You say, well, are you upset that you, you know, I never went to Disneyland. You You know what, I'm glad that I was never, you know, had this idea where I just needed things to be happy. I think it prepared me for ministry, honestly. I think it prepared me to just live in a life that, you know, you don't make a lot of money. You're never going to make a lot of money. You're just going to serve God and do right. You know, and we were happy. We were in church. We were so, as kids, we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We read the Bible as a family. We'd go soul winning together. We loved the Lord. We we didn't know we were poor. Everything was great. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that I didn't grow up in this mansion. I feel like I've got to keep up with my parents. I'm thankful that my parents live in a nice house now, but you know what? My kids are way more spoiled than we were as kids, you know? I don't feel like I'm in debt. Just be thankful. Be grateful. Be glad for what you have. Don't sit there and be just constantly comparing. your kids, don't look at them and say, well, my, par- my friends get to go do this or my friends get to go do that. Just be happy for the parents God has given you because you will probably be glad as an adult that your mom and your dad were your mom and your dad. So don't be comparing. Let me give you one more. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll give you one more, and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I said, number one, don't compare yourself with the prosperity of the wicked. Number two, don't compare yourself with the prosperity of the compromising Christians. Number three, don't compare yourself with other Christians in general. Number four, don't compare yourself financially to your peers. Number five, don't compare your spouse to other people. Number six, don't compare your children to other children. Number seven, don't compare your parents. Kids to other children's parents. But number eight, let me, let me finish with this thought. Don't compare churches and pastors to other churches and pastors. Amen. Are there in 1 Corinthians 1? Look at verse number 11. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 11. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Notice verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Skip over to, verse, to chapter number 3. Look at verse 3. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. For ye are carnal, for whereas there is among you envyings and strives and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Look at verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? He's talking about Christians who were comparing one preacher to another. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You're there in 1 Corinthians. You're going to go past 1 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter number 5, but you know what, let, let, me, let me give you a couple applications here, and I'm not really talking to you guys right now, I'm talking to the internet world, alright, there's people that listen to our preaching online, and let me talk to those people right now, some, some of those people are in churches that are good, good churches for them to go to, in the sense that they're King James only, they're soul winning, they're right on the gospel, but they may be wrong on everything else, you know, and they're just there, because it's a good church in their area and they might listen to me online or they might listen to Pastor Anderson online or they might listen to Pastor Romero or Pastor Berzins or Pastor Perry, you know, and, and, and they agree with the things we say. But there's no church like that in their area. So they're just going to an independent Baptist church in their area that is right on the gospel, right on King James, right on so winning. Hey, let me give you guys some advice. Don't just sit there in those churches and be constantly comparing your church to the guy you listen to online. You know what? If it's that bad, move. And if it's not that bad, then just be content. I'm not saying change what you believe, but just be content with the place that you're at. And just say, you know, I'm glad for it. And, like, and honestly, if it's bad, then move. And people say, like, I can't believe you taught people to move. People move for jobs every day. That's right, right? They, they move for the love of mammon every day. And they can't move to, to get their family in a good church. But if you're not willing to do it, I'm talking to those who say, well, I'm not willing to move. Then quit complaining. Amen. Then quit coveting. Then be, look, li- I'm not telling you not to listen to preaching online. Listen to preaching online. Teach your wife right. Teach your children right. But don't sit there and be constantly comparing, you know, you know here's what your pa- you say, well, I don't understand why my pastor doesn't like me. Maybe because every time he talks to you, you're telling him about how, well, the pastor online does. You know, he's probably thinking like, well, go there. You know, don't be this, well, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. Don't compare churches to other churches. But let me say this, too. If you're in our movement, I'm talking to you guys right now. If you're in our movement, you know, you go to Verity Baptist Church. You go to Faithful Word Baptist Church. You go to Steadfast Baptist Church. You go to Old Past Baptist Church. You go to Word of Truth Baptist Church. Don't be constantly comparing pastors to each other and ministries to each other. You know what? We're all different. And, you know, don't if, if, if you think Pastor Anderson is the greatest thing on earth and you're at Fort Worth, don't go to Pastor Donnie and just say, well, you know, I'm, I'd love to be in Arizona, but I'm settling for you. <laughs> you know, no pastor wants to feel like you're settling for them. People have literally walked up to me and said, like, well, I'd love to go to Fort Worth, but I'm just kind of settling for you. I'm just kind of like, just go to Fort Worth. Do me a favor and don't come here. I mean, honestly, seriously, like, why do you have to say, you say, well, I, I love Pastor, whatever. Hey, that's great. You don't have to... Say that to people. You have to compare people. I mean, what, when people say that to me, that's the times where I'm going to be like, time out. Let, just time out. What was the point of that? <laughs> oh, I know. You're trying to be an encouragement to me, right? Hey, look, you say, I like Pastor Romero more than I like Pastor mens Praise the Lord. So do I. I like Pastor Anderson more than I like. I like listening to Pastor Burgess more. Hey, great. So does my wife. You know, I mean, hey, that's fine, you know. But I'm just saying, don't be sitting there and comparing constantly. Saying, well, this church does this and that church does that. Hey, just be careful to not divide, be divided into these ideas of, well, I'm of this group and I'm of this camp and I'm of that. We're all on the same team. We're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to reach people with the gospel of Christ. We're all trying to take a stand for the truth. Hey, let's just quit comparing and just be content. Amen. And honestly, look, I, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, if you don't like Verity Baptist Church and you just really want to move to Prescott, Arizona, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I'd rather you go there than go to Adventure Church down the street. You know, I, we're not in competition with each other, but I'm just saying we got to get away from this idea of like comparing. Just learn to be content. Are right, you there in First Thessalonians 5? Look at verse 12. 1 Thessalonians 5 and look at verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. I'm talking about your pastor, the one that you're under. And to esteem them very highly and love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. He says, look, just love the pastor you have. Love the church. And if it's that bad, then move. But if it's not bad enough to move, then just esteem them very highly and love for their sake. And let me go ahead and say this. I'm, I'm, and I'm back to the Internet crowd, but I'm going to talk to some of you, too. You know, we've got these young guys we're sending out, you know, and some of these other churches are sending new pastors out to start new churches. And our church eventually will start sending pastors out. Hey, you know, if you go to their churches, you know, they, they start a church in your area or you move or maybe people from our church move there to help them. Hey, praise the Lord for it. But don't make those guys feel like they're constantly under the shadow of Pastor Jimenez. Or they're constantly under the shadow of Pastor Andrew. Just love the man you're under. Pray for him and pray for his wife and pray for his children. And be loyal and be kind and be thankful. And don't be constantly comparing. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're gonna finish right here. We're done. This is where we started. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 12. We're talking about the fact that comparison kills. Contentment. Some of you are not happy in life because you're constantly comparing to others, other people's lives, other things that they're doing. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts as we finish up and we'll be done. Second Corinthians 10, look at verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I want you to notice this phrase in verse 12. He says, with some that commend themselves. See that word commend? Commend means to like, almost like to show your best, to brag, to say, look how great I am. Now, there's nothing wrong with commending other people, you know what I'm saying, like, man, this person's great, I recommend this person to you, they're good. But there is something prideful about commending yourself, you know, and just like, look how great I am. And look, it's, it's foolish to compare ourselves, because some people, their whole goal is to commend themselves. And to make themselves look better than they really are. And they're just trying to make you feel inadequate. So it's foolish to be comparing yourself with people that are commending themselves. That's why some of you need to just get off of Facebook. In fact, most all of you need to get off of Facebook. (laughs) Facebook's a big waste of time and you talk too much, all right? But here's the thing about Facebook is everyone's constantly just commending themselves, Just showing their best, you know. And you're sitting there, and you're all upset, because you're like, my friend from high school, she's so skinny, she looks so good, and I'm so upset. And here's what you don't know, that the picture she put up there is one out of a hundred. That she's got it all angled all weird to make herself look skinny. She's got her kids, like, holding her face back, you know. She put Vaseline on the lens. And it's like, she looks so great. And, 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 and you're looking at her like, she looks so great. And here's what's funny? She's on the other end doing the same thing about your picture. The one that you chose out of 100, the one that you angled all weird, the one that you put Vaseline you know, on, she's saying, oh, she looks so great. Just don't sit there and compare and command. You say, well, every time I look at a picture, they've got a beautiful this and they've got a beautiful that. You don't know that, that we're showing you, what they're showing you is true or right or accurate. I don't think anybody posts a picture of, on Facebook of their house being a mess. <laughs> Nobody post a picture of, you know, when they went on vacation and they stayed at the Motel 6. I don't think they talk about that. You, you want to be careful because some people, some people are trying to make you feel inadequate. Because it lifts them up. And it makes them feel good to make other people, whether it's true or not. Say, oh, they have such a nice car. Yeah, but you don't know that they're in so much debt. You know, you just want to be careful with But let me say this. When you compare, you will always be in competition. And you will never be satisfied. We're not in competition with each other. Look, I'm not trying to compete with you. I'm not, we're not in competition. Soul winning is not a competition. I'm not trying to come back with the most salvations. Look, sometimes I get people saved. Sometimes I don't. That's okay. Sometimes attendance is high. Sometimes it's low. Guess what? When we break records, we put it on Facebook. When we have low attendances, we don't. We don't put, have the Lord's attendance of the year this Sunday, praise God, on our Facebook page. We, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's how life goes. You just, you want to be careful with this idea. Because sometimes churches, could, even churches can say, oh man, they had this many people on Sunday. Yeah, but you don't know that, like, that's a really high, you know, we had a big day. We spent a lot of time pushing that. And that's not what we normally do. I'm just saying, be careful with comparing. Because here's the thing, comparison kills Contentment Comparison kills Contentment Let's bow our heads in that word of prayer Heavenly Father